We, uh, let me see if I'm on here. We don't have any pews here anymore. <laughs> we used to have pews, though. Um, this morning, uh, I want to share with you some more things about, last week we started a message on uh, 10 things that, that have happened when we get saved. And I only got like, I don't remember how far I got, three or four things last week. And then the second service, I got through about four or five. But uh, I want to finish that message today. But one of the things that I want to uh, mention about our Light the Night this year is we're going to try something different um, in, in terms of being a little bit more uh, evangelistic. And so we're, we're, we're thinking about doing this, uh, you know, where we have a big tent set up and people can have donut holes and drink and coffee and, and sit on some straw or whatever. Uh, we're going to set up a, a table. I'm going to be at this table. And I'm not sure if we're going to call it the hell tent or what, or what we're going to call it. But um, we're going we're gonna to dialogue over a mic uh, and take some questions and stuff about things that people have believed about hell that actually aren't true. And uh, kind of use the opportunity. People like, you know, horror and they like scary stuff and all that. And uh, we're not going to use any horror or scary stuff. But we are going to be talking out loud uh, about the, the things that people think about hell that aren't true. Did you know, first of all, I'll just give you one, a little teaser, that the devil isn't from hell? Yeah, he isn't from hell. Uh, God created him. Hell is a place where the devil will be sentenced to, but he's not from hell. And most people think he's from hell. And so anyway, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to be talking and taking some questions. And as I talk about things, I'm going to start to explain God's love and God's true purpose, because a lot of people, probably the number one thing that people think about hell is that uh, hell is for bad people. Or I'll put it a different way, like God sends bad people to hell. And, uh, and the good news is God doesn't send people to hell. God, Jesus, has come to save us and to rescue us. God has come to rescue us out of our own decisions and out of our own rebellion. Aren't you glad that God isn't looking to send people to hell? He's looking to rescue people. Okay, and so, um, so we're going to preach the gospel. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So I hope that um, you're able to be a part of that and just serving and creating an environment where the gospel and the light and the love of God is, is actually permeating that whole evening and that experience for everybody who walks by this campus and walks in this building and, and eats our donuts. They're going to experience the light, the truth, the love of God. Amen? Yeah. Instead of just going from house to house and trying to be, you know, dealing with witches and goblins and bats and scary stuff and, and just whatever... They're going to come and, and interact with, with the love of God and the truth of God's word of who he is. So salvation, this is awesome. We are celebrating our salvation. Okay, last week we covered a couple of points here. I'll just read them. Uh, number one, my sins are forgiven. When I got saved, my sins, your sins, were forgiven. Past, present, and future. Past, present, and future sins are forgiven. Number two, when I was saved, my spirit was born again. Um, I, 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 my body was still functioning, but my inner spirit man, my connection with God was dead, was severed. I was a dead man walking, as that one song goes. I was a dead man walking. You recognize it now? So as I sing it, you'll recognize the song, right? I don't have the guitar. All right, but 
you know, that's the truth. That's what that song's talking about. And um, I was reading, so I think it was in James, I was reading that without, that we were dead uh, without the Spirit. And God made us alive. He made us alive um, when we became saved. And so what happens is now we have a connection to, to God because the Bible says that God is Spirit and those who worship Him will worship Him in Spirit and truth. And we, our Spirit is what connects to God. And that's who we are. That's our eternal part of our being is our spirit. We are a spirit. We live in a, a body, but we are a spirit. And our connection to God was broken. Um, and as I mentioned last week, it's like a refrigerator, you know, being unplugged from the wall. The light's out. It doesn't work. It still looks like a refrigerator, but it doesn't work. It's dead on the inside. And human beings are dead without salvation without that spirit being born again as Jesus taught us, okay? So you're born again. Your spirit is alive. You can hear God. You can sense God now. The scales have been off of your eye. You can see him now. You can understand his word now. You're alive. You have a spirit um, in you that's alive. Your spirit is born again. You're not dead anymore. You can have a a communion, a great relationship with God. You can hear Him. You can talk with Him. You can sense Him. Awesome. Number three, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, In other words, I am in the firm and eternal grip of God. That once I, and I was six years old when I got saved, and uh, now I'm a little bit older. And I've, you know, I've had a few mistakes. So when I got saved, I was six. I went through teenage years and college, whatever. You know, I made mistakes. I sinned. I screwed up. I've done this and I've done that. But God has never let me go. Uh, he, has, he has marked me with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he has branded me. He has tagged me. I belong to him. I'm his. And he will not let me go. And he will not let you go. And it gives me... Um, assurance and confidence that God's with me, okay? And it's going to be all right. He's never going to give up on me. Um, number four, I entered, when I, when I became a Christian, when I got saved, I entered a worldwide spiritual family. And I now uh, am a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. And, um, and all over this world, you have brothers and you have sisters. And those brothers and those sisters and this family here are part of God's provision to encourage you to teach you, to sharpen you, to support you, and for you to learn how to love and have patience with and learn how to forgive and learn how to bear someone else's burdens and learn how to serve somebody else. You know, that's what the family is all about. And God has made this so that we are a part of a family because there's things he wants you to learn and he's things he's put inside of you to give. And he's also protecting you by giving to you provision that you need from other people. And, uh, and that's how God has designed it. And so we can't really flourish until we are connected and we recognize our need to be a part of the family of God. Okay, You already are uh, because as soon as, you, as soon as you get saved, you're grafted into the body of Christ. But uh, we encourage everybody to get connected to a local body, to become a member of a local body so that you've got skin into the game and you're accountable and you can be... Um, you can be better utilized in what God has given you to help that family out. You know what I'm saying? All right. So you may not be a member here, but you are a member of the body of Christ. But as a pastor, 
I encourage you to get connected to a congregation where you can pour your life into that group of people because they will pour their life into you. All right, we're better together. Okay, number five. I think I mentioned this. I don't know for sure in the first service, but I gained access. I gained, you gained access to freedom and healing from the effects of sin. I can learn how to live an abundant life. So uh, one of the things that didn't happen when I got saved and something that didn't happen when you got saved was your mind was completely cleansed of all the wrong thoughts. Okay, that didn't happen. Uh, that all of the effects of all the mistakes you've made in the past were completely erased and you just had a clean slate. That didn't happen, right? All the things that have been done to you by other people and the words that were spoken over you and, uh, and some of the curses and some of the hurts and some of the uh, things that happened along your journey, those didn't just suddenly dissolve and disappear. You're saved, but now you have access to deal with all of that stuff one thing at a, at a time with the help of God and find healing and find freedom. And, and that's the process that God wants to take you on. So it doesn't just instantly happen and you like have amnesia and God just erases everything from your heart and from your brain. He wants you to learn how to be free by trusting in him, by learning and growing and applying his truth to your life. How many of you have experienced part of that process in your life since you became a Christian? Right, And all of a sudden, all of a sudden something hits you like, oh, I don't have to believe that about myself anymore because someone said that over me and I've been carrying that my whole life. But all of a sudden God speaks to you. Maybe it's through a person, a scripture, uh, your personal time with God, maybe a message, maybe a video. And all of a sudden God says something to you and you're like, oh, I don't have to, I'm not a failure. I'm not a loser. I'm not a a good for nothing anymore. I can believe what you're saying. And so Megan's up here and she's preaching at you, you know, going for it. I'm like, here you go, Megan, just take it over, you know. And she's speaking life over us. And maybe somebody here thought, hey, she's right. That is what God says about me. And as soon as you begin to, to grab a hold of God's truth and let go of your truth, which is a lie, you begin to experience a transformation and a freedom. And God God designed you to be free. He designed you to live an abundant life. That's what Jesus said, right? I've come that you might have life to the full or abundant life. I came not just to take care of your future, but your now, your now. And, uh, and that's what's happened for all of us. We have access to a process with the help of God's word, God's spirit, and God's family. Okay, his word, his spirit, and his family to experience an abundant life. And you need all three. You need his word, you need his spirit, and you need his people for you to be free and to learn how to live in an abundant life. Okay, some people say, I don't need anybody. Uh, we're kind of backtracking a little bit. I got God, I got his word, I got his spirit. That's all I need. That's not true. You need, you need the family too because that's how God designed it. All right? And so we need all three. You can't just... Hide yourself in a cottage somewhere with the Bible and God's Spirit and ignore everybody else and think that you're going to get everything that you need. You're not. That's not how it works. You need the Word, you need the Spirit, and you need His body. Okay? So that's what God does to help us. Now, here's a couple of verses on that. 1 Peter 2.24, I think this was our memory verse last week. He himself, Jesus, 
bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that, everybody say, so that. So there's a purpose. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Why did he take our sins upon himself? So that we might die to sins. That we might actually be changed. That we don't have to live uh, under sin's oppression anymore. That we can actually be transformed. Not just forgiven, but actually set free from those sins. We can be we can die to sins and live for righteousness. And then it goes on to say, by his wounds, you have been healed. So here's a, a deep thought for the day. This is bonus. You ready for some bonus? Here's a deep thought I had this morning. Uh, it, does God, let me see if I can say it the way I want to. Uh, does God heal today? Or has God healed Think about that. Sometimes we're asking God to heal us. The Bible says he has healed. Think about that. You, by his wounds, you have been healed. So, you know, I'm talking off of uh, Megan's comments here about royalty, of knowing who you are in Christ, knowing the truth. And Jesus said, if you know this truth, my truth, it will do what to you? It'll set you free. If you know that when you take communion, that you're not begging God to show up and change something, that you're accessing something that has already been done on your behalf. That's a whole different way of seeing things. And it's just something to think about, something to pray about. You have been healed. You have been set free. You have been forgiven. Praise the Lord. Um, so the, 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 the thief in the beginning of that, uh, John 10, 10, you know, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life before that. He says, the thief has come to steal from you, to rob you, to kill you, to destroy you. He comes to lie to you. But Jesus has come to give you abundant life. And so there is this battle going on between who are you believing and, uh, and what are you um, what are you submitted to? So we're going to get to that a little bit. All right, let's go on to some new material. Number six, uh, when I got saved and when you got saved, I, I began a process of deliverance from the devil's lies. Okay? I can have a renewed mind, the Bible says. Okay, so I, I don't know about you, but when I think about, well, let me ask you what you think about this. In Matthew, it talks about Jesus having this experience of being taken to the desert by the Spirit right after he was baptized. So he's baptized uh, in water. Holy Spirit comes upon him. And the Bible says that the Spirit drove him or led him into the desert to be tempted. So he's in the desert. And this is in Matthew, I think, chapter 3. Uh, and the devil, the Bible says the devil comes and tempts him three times. And Jesus is having this conversation with the devil. And three different times he's conversing and and resisting temptation. So in your mind, how do you pick, do you ever picture the Bible? Do you ever picture the stories? Do you ever think, okay, you're reading the story, Jesus is in the desert, what do you see? And then it says the devil, the devil's there and he tempts him. Do you see something? How do you picture that movie scene, you know? I don't know about you, after I've given you a chance to think about it, but for most of my life, I used to, tr I used to picture the devil Showing up, and I, I don't know what I, 
what he would look like. He would just be ugly or, you know, whatever. And so there's, there's a bunch of sand, maybe some sand dunes, and there's Jesus, and the devil shows up, and the devil talks to him, and then Jesus talks to him, and then, you know, then that conversation is over. And then he goes to another place, and then Jesus is there, and then the devil shows up, the devil talks to him, and so on. That's what I used to see. Now I don't see it that way. Now I see it like how it is when I experience normal life. Like, I, I, I don't know if this is right or not, but I, I was just thinking about, you know, so here I am, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and then a thought comes to me, a lie comes to me. And, and it's like, hey, this will make you happier, or you should do this, or da-da-da-da-da. And I don't see the devil. You see what I'm saying? I don't see an evil spirit show up. But there is absolutely a conversation that goes on. There's a thought that just comes. It's almost like it comes, you know, from somewhere outside, but it's inside. It's weird, you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden there's this temptation, and you're like, you don't see the devil. And sometimes you're not even sure it's a temptation. You don't think about it like it's a temptation. You think, ah, oh, whatever. But do you see what I'm saying? And so then Jesus, I think Jesus was like that. I think he was doing his thing. He was seeking God. The Spirit was there. And then, then the thought came to him, hey, if you're really the Son of God, am I really the Son of God? Is this really my destiny? Can you imagine? Nobody else told Jesus he was the Son of God except his Father, you know, in heaven. Somehow that was being revealed to him, and he was fully man at this point, right? He set his godness apart. He's fully man, and the Spirit of God is revealing to him that you are the Son of God. And then he, his brain gets in there and says, are you really the Son of God? If you really are the Son of God, let's make sure we're the Son of God. Let's turn these rocks into bread. Let's do a miracle. Let's just, let's just see, you know, or if I really am the Son of God, well, uh, throw yourself off of this ledge of the temple and watch God's angels save you and protect, you know. And so he's, ha he's having these, maybe, maybe this is how it's working. I know that's how it works for me. I don't know about you. But the Bible says that the, and Jesus says this, actually, he talks about the devil in John chapter 8. I want to read this, what he says to us. He says, um, and I don't like to talk about the devil a lot because, you know, we, we are, we're focused on Jesus. But this is what Jesus says of the devil in John 8. He says, uh, see if I can find it here. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Okay, so Jesus says there is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That is his language line. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So lying came from the devil. He's the father of lies. He lies. That's his language. There's no truth in him. Okay, so every time that he is speaking or whispering or tempting us, it's a lie. Every time. That's all he speaks. And, uh, and so I just wanted, wanted to point that out to you, that 
there are a lot of lies that we believe, and, uh, and God wants to set you free from those lies. And as soon as you became saved, the reason why you can now be set free from those lies is because you switched your lineage. Okay? So the, the, Jesus says, you're, he's talking to some people, and he says, your father is the devil. Now, I don't know if that sounds offensive to you, but wow, I would, uh, I would think those guys were pretty ticked off when Jesus just said, you're from the devil. And he's like, your father right now is the devil. And so he's making a very clear distinction. Your father is either God or the devil. You were born into sin. You were born in slavery. You were born under Adam, Adam's sin, Adam's fall. And so you are now bound by the lies of the devil. You're bound by sin when you're born. And you can be set free and you can switch your lineage. And you can, you can be... Uh, Oh, you know, the second Adam is Jesus. So once you do that, now because you are now submitted to your Father in heaven, you need to be freed up from the old way of believing and behaving, the lies of the enemy, right? So the first thing that we, we understand in Scripture, James puts it this way. He says, you need to submit to God first. Then you resist the devil and he has to flee. So you, you can't do that unless you're submitted to God. You have no authority or basis for uh, telling your taskmaster to get lost if you don't have a bigger, stronger taskmaster, in a sense, who owns you and redeemed you from your obligations to the previous one. Okay? So if you're still obligated to, to the devil, there is no freedom for you unless you come to Jesus. But once there's freedom for you, once you come to Jesus, you have been set free. And God wants to set you free from all those lies of the enemy. Now, the enemy lies to us all the time. Um, and I want to just, you know, share with you that you can have a renewed, a renewed mind. Colossians says this in chapter 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, at least a whole bunch of things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So the Bible says now we are taking off the old stuff the old lies, the old way of behaviors, and we're putting on a new identity, right? And that new identity is becoming more and more in the image of Christ. And uh, so Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And have you ever thought about this before? Have you ever thought about practicing how you think? When I was uh, a little boy learning how to play baseball, I practiced playing catch with my dad all the time, all the time. And I don't, my, my favorite phrase to my dad was, one more, dad, one more. <laughs> I always wanted one more, one more toss of the football, one more toss of the baseball. I'd always say one more, and one more would be like 20 times, you know. We'd practice, and then, you know, pitching and hitting, and you're practicing, and you're getting better at it, and, better, and you're learning how to do it. Have you ever thought about that with your thinking? Have you ever 
practiced how you think. Have you ever thought about this, okay? Here is the right way to think. And there are some wrong ways to think. And when you think wrong, then you act according to those, those wrong thoughts, and you live wrong. When you think wrong, you live wrong. But when you think right, you live right. This isn't about being right or wrong. This is about life or death. That's really where I'm getting at. So when you think right, you live right, you have life. How many of you look around the world and think there's a whole lot of bad thinking going on? And a lot of bad living going on? And a lot of chaos as a result. I mean, it can be as simple as your finances, your health, your relationships, your, your, uh, just your overall perspective on this world. It can just be a cobbled mess. Or you got other people that seem to be like, I don't know, like on track or full of life or happy and you know what I mean. So here's, here's the deal. You can be free, but it takes practice. You have to identify what your wrong thoughts are by measuring them according to the standard, which is the right thoughts. And every time you have a thought that doesn't align with God's thoughts, that is something that you want to exchange and you want to change. You, it, the Bible calls it renewing your mind, changing your mind, changing your mind. Switch the way that you think. And this takes practice. Because we've been practicing the wrong way for a long time. And I told you the story a couple years ago. I used to, when I was little, I was small. And I played basketball. And the only way I could shoot a basketball, standard-sized basketball, 10 feet in the air and make it once in a while, was to use my thumb of my other hand. Because I wasn't strong enough to get it up and shoot it correctly. So I grew up chucking the ball like this. And I kept doing that all the way up to high school. And so now I'm shooting the ball like this, and the ball is spinning sideways instead of, you know, over top this way. And when it would hit the rim, instead of cushioning and hitting the backboard and going in, it would hit the rim and skim off to the side. And it was bad. It was bad technique. And so I never changed that technique until I broke my hand <laughs> in college, goofing around, playing some pickup ball, and I couldn't, couldn't shoot for, like, you know, four or five weeks with this hand. So I just was grabbing a ball, and I'd pick it up, and I'd just shoot it. And I'd dribble the ball and pick it up and shoot it because, I, I, you know, I wanted to just keep shooting. And all of a sudden, I practiced something new, and I changed my shooting. Now I'm a professional basketball. No, <laughs> I'm just saying, no. There's no end of the story like that, but I do shoot like that now if I had time to play basketball. <laughs> and... That's what it is like life. We grow up and we're doing things. We're thinking certain ways. We're reacting certain things because that's the way we, we grew up learning how to do it because that's how our mom or our dad or our brother or our family line did things. But it doesn't mean that it's right. And if it's not right, it's wrong. And if it's wrong, it's hurting you. It's suppressing you. It's holding you back. And God wants to set you free. Amen? He wants you to be alive. Um. So here's a memory verse that I want you to, uh, to work on this week. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. In my Bible, 
it breaks up godly life like this. It says, uh, for his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And this, this translation puts them together. says, you have everything that you need for a godly life, for life and for godliness. But how does that come? Do you notice it in this verse? How do you access everything that you need for life and for godliness or for a godly life? It says, through. Through what? Through our knowledge of him. Knowledge or know in the Hebrew, and this is a Greek here, but in this concept of knowing God is not this, it's relationship. The Bible says as you get to know more of God, as you develop your relationship with God, God unfolds uh, for you his provision of who you are and who, who he's made you to be. And he unfolds the promises to you and the truth to you. And as you engage in your walk with God and you grow in your knowledge of him, your relationship with him, he transforms our thinking from an orphan to a child, right? From poor to rich, from sick to healed, from bound and a slave to free and royalty. And we begin to think differently, and then we begin to live differently, and then we come alive through the knowledge of Him. So get hungry for some knowledge of God. Seek Him. Draw near to Him. Hunger for Him. Talk to Him. Study about Him. Get in His presence because He will transform your life, okay? It's a process. It's a process. All right, number seven. Uh, what happened when I got saved and you got saved? Uh, we entered eternal life. You're like, what? Jesus said this um, in John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, check this out, but has crossed over from death to life. Jesus says, as soon as you believe, you have crossed over from death to life. You now have eternal life. Whoa. You mean eternal life isn't something that happens to me when I die? No, it happens to you when you're saved. That's why the abundant life is meant to start to be experienced right now. Like you're already secure in heaven. You already have eternal life, but the the first fruits of that life are supposed to begin to grow in you right now. Yeah. Eternal life is already with us, in us. Jesus says you've already crossed over from death to life. So he says that even though you die, yet shall you live. There is no death for us. We go right from, from here to, to a more full revelation of, of life in him. And, uh, and so eternal life has already begun for you and for me. Uh, so Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You are no longer clamoring or striving for some meaning in life or some holding on to some kind of uh, you know, need for satisfaction or something. You, you already have everything. Everything. You have eternal life in Him. So the Bible says, now, 
throw your whole lot into him. Let him use you. Let him uh, just you know, live through you. Be fully engaged, fully alive, because you have no reason to be trying to grab a hold of something here in this world. You have everything. So we can live these, like, almost like a reckless abandonment of faith in God. We can, we can do things like the Bible says, we can lay our lives down for other people. We can serve other people. We can bear other people's burdens. We're no longer self-focused and, and trying to find meaning, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find life, because we lose that and we gain everything. We gain everything. The, the paradox of the kingdom is that when we, sur- we, we, we surrender to God, we surrender ourselves to God, and instead of losing, we gain everything. And we think we're losing everything. When we like actually surrender our will to God, we think, man, if I surrender my will to God, I lose everything. And we surrender and we gain everything. And so God wants us to be free. He wants us to be open-handed. He wants us to, to lay our lives down like he did. Give it away. Because we already got more than we can handle. <laughs> this is, we just get so uh, earthly caught up in, in how things work. Okay, I want to get on to the next one, though. Number eight. And this is one I want to share with you. Number eight, I have authority over the devil and the kingdom of darkness. I can live in victory. All right, so this is different than overcoming the lies of the enemy. This is about authority. And when you got saved, the devil no longer owns any of, of you. He has no more any authority over you. He can't hurt you. He can't harm you. He can't control you uh, because you have been completely redeemed and all the debt that was owed uh, because of your sin was more than paid for, you have been redeemed. That means you've been paid for and set free, and you do not belong to the devil or sin any longer. Therefore, he has no legal authority over you. He can't strike you with sickness. He can't harm you. He can't kill you unless, unless you allow him to. But he can't do that on his own. The only thing that he has left in your life is lies speaking lies to you. And if his lies uh, get listened to by you and you agree with those lies, that will harm you. That will cause you pain. That will, that will steal from you some things. That's the only power he has over you. But he did have power over you. And today, uh, he has power over people who are not saved. That's, the, that's what the Bible says. Um, that, that he is the prince of this world and uh, he has that authority over people. But Jesus said this in um, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, snakes and scorpions in this context are demons, okay? Fallen angels. Uh, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. All the power of the enemy. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. How, how many of you think that sounds pretty good? Pretty good, right? So like I always say, the only power the devil has is the power that we allow him to have. But I do want to kind of do a little tangent with you this morning. I was reading James, and uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. I don't know if you can relate to any of this. I'm smiling. And uh, James goes here, chapter 4, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do you have any fights or quarrels or disgruntledness in you at all? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. 
You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And uh, James is talking about uh, this word here in desires. What, what, what causes all the fights and the quarrels, all the offense, all the turmoil in all of our relationships? I mean, this morning, maybe, you were driving and someone was going slower than you wanted them to ahead of you, and you're just mad about it. Or maybe you're waiting for a family member in the driveway, and you're like, come on, let's go, Right? Or maybe uh, later today, uh, you guys are going to go out to lunch, and you have a disagreement on which fast food to go to. Or, you know, I mean, it can go on and on and on, and they can be more and more serious. But what causes quarrels and fights and all this tension and all these problems that we have? We have problems in our families, in our marriages, with our kids. We have problems with each other. We have problems in the church. We have problems in our places of employment. We have problems with strangers, Okay, what causes that? And this word desires here uh, in the Greek, it comes from uh, the root word that we get this word in English called hedonism. I don't know if you know what hedonism is. Let me just try to make it really simple. Hedonism. Basically, it's a person who is selfish, self-focused, and worships self-pleasure. Everything's about me. I don't know if you can relate to this or not. But the Bible says all of our quarrels, all of our fights, all of our problems come from this thing called ego. Ego, the Greek word, me, I, what I want, what I need, what I desire. And when you don't do what I want, I have a quarrel, I have an offense, I have a fight. I'm not happy. We have a conflict because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. I want this. I don't want that. Let's go now. Let's wait a while. Let's go over here first. I want to eat there. And I, I, and me, and me. Now, Paul says, and I'm kind of bleeding into the next point here because the Bible says when you become a Christian, when you're saved, you're actually a new person. You're a new creation. You actually exchange ego for Christ. Paul put it this way, it is no longer I who live, it is no longer, the word there is ego, if we were to read it in Greek. It is no longer ego in charge, self-identity, self-seeking, self-pleasure, worship of self, that's, that's running the show. That self over there is now gone, it is now Christ who lives in me. And the life that I'm living now in this body, this flesh and blood, I'm living uh, in, in Christ. I'm living to serve him and to know him because he loved me and he gave himself up for me. And I'm a new creation. It is now Christ who lives in me, not ego. And we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and that's what it was. It was self-rule, self-pleasure. The devil came with his lies. He came to steal the identity of God in us. And he says, look, God didn't really mean that, did he? So he's lying. He's twisting the truth. And he talks to Eve, shows, shows her this fruit. And the Bible says that it was, she looked at it, and it looked good for food. Mmm, yeah, that'll taste good. That's what my flesh wants. My flesh wants some good food. How about yours? 
It looked good for food. Oh, it seemed really, not, it sounded good because I will know something. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Pride got in there. Greed got in there. And it looked good, sounded good. Oh, yeah, I want that. And so self-rule or ego took the throne. Took the throne. And, and that's the whole premise of what God is trying to do in you and me, is to trust in him, to surrender to him. And ego needs to go. And so um, your will, when your will is submitted to God, you come under God's authority, and now you also come under God's protection and God's blessing and God's, and God's freedom. And you can be set free. And you can have all authority that you need over the devil. Now, a lot of this stuff happens as a process because we are so ingrained with what we believe and how we think. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. In the context of that statement in 1 John, John is talking, and he says the devil is a, has been sinning from the beginning, and he entices and he instigates you to sin through his lies. And that sin is what creates destruction and death and pain and hurt, right? But the Son of God came to destroy the devil's work. To destroy um, the effect of sin on us and to destroy the actual instigator himself of, of, uh, of causing us to, to follow his lead. And so Jesus came to set you free and you can be free from the effects of sin in this world. Isn't that good news? So here's, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to take authority back. If there's an area of your life that, you know, you can look at and say, I just know something's not right. I know that I kind of think this way about myself, and I know it's wrong, but you really have kind of um, settled on that. Like, you, you're, you're not resisting it necessarily, uh, it's just kind of like a dull, you know, uh, part of your life that you are putting up with. I just want to give you an opportunity to take that back. Take that back. The Bible says that you, Jesus says that you have been given all authority over snakes and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy and that nothing will harm you. You see, that's what Jesus said. And that's what he came to do, to empower us to be free from the lies of the enemy. And yet, there is this process, and I've gone through this process with many people individually, um, where there is this part of us called a will. And when our will, uh, our will is very powerful, if our will uh, doesn't decide to change, then we can't have God change us. doesn't work that way. If your will isn't, you know, deciding to believe and follow God, and, and you just want someone to pray to fix the peripheral problems, it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? But if your will says, you know what, I am going to surrender this area of my life to God, I'm going to believe, I choose to believe what God says, 
and I'm no longer going to submit to this lie or this thought any longer, now God can do something. Now God can do something. He can set you, he can totally set you free. I've, I've been in a room with, with people before, with a person, many different people, but in a room talking about an issue like this, okay? And after we talk about it and try to get, get God's perspective on things, it always comes down to this. Are you ready to trust in God with your will? Are you, will, are you ready to break off this lie that you've been believing? And are you ready to believe what God says? And when they say yes to that, it, that's the hardest part, is believing that you can be free or you can be healed and, and that God is right and this isn't you anymore. And it can be really hard because some of us, we have things there that's been there our whole life and we've tried, we've tried different things to try to change. Okay? But the only, only one who's ever defeated sin in our life was Jesus. And, and so what I'm, what I'm trying to actually give you a tool here, I'm trying to give you a fishing pole and some bait, right? So you can fish all the time. You can do this all the time. You can learn how to live free. Is You need to recognize whatever this thing is over here, what you've been thinking or believing, and your will needs to change. You just need to decide, I'm not going to believe this any longer. I'm just, I'm going to change and I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to believe what God says. Okay, now that's called repentance. Did you know that? We've got all these weird thoughts about repentance like this, this real scary thing. Repentance means change your mind. It means this isn't right. This isn't what God says. This isn't true. This is what God says. This is what's right. And I'm going to choose to believe that. That's called repentance. And when you repent, when you change your mind, then God, then actually you change your life. You change the way you live. That's how, that's how your brain works. When you believe something, you live it out. Whatever it is, right or wrong, doesn't matter. Your brain is the computer. It tells you how to live. When you change your brain, you're changing the program. It changes your actions. It just does. That's why God says you have to get a, get a hold of your brain and change it and renew it. So this morning, this is what I want to teach you how to do. and We're going to do it, okay? If there's an area of your life, if there's a lie or a thought or something that's been plaguing you, whatever it is, I want you to first of all ask the Holy Spirit, what is the root thought or issue going on in my life? Ask Him. Lord, show me. Where's this problem coming from? This has been a thorn in my life forever. I feel like I'm not even sure why or where, but Lord, what is it? What's going on? What's the root issue? And listen. And when he tells you what it is, then the second thing you need to do is you need to break that lie off your life. With your will. You just say it. Now listen, you say this stuff all the time. You don't always say it out loud and you don't always say it out loud in front of people. But you're talking all the time, right? We're, we're having conversations all the time inside. And we're, we're, we're talking ourselves into things. We're talking ourselves out of things all the time. All the time. So this is just normal. So you need to talk to yourself, your will, but I would say, let's do this out loud and say, hey, da, 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 whatever this thought is, whatever this issue is, no. I, I break your hold off of my life right now in Jesus' name. I do not believe you any longer. 
You are not going to be controlling me any longer. I break my ties to you in Jesus' name. Break that off. Neuroscience tells us when we change our mind, our mind literally changes. I've shown a video of it before. I did an assembly on this in the school once before. There's these little neurons, these little tiny thready little connectors. And, I, and you can literally go online and you can see this if you want to. And you can see like a little thing here and all of a sudden the thing kind of wiggles and goes like a little worm and it goes down over here and it reconnects somewhere else. It literally changes your, your mind, changes the program. And then we come over here and we say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you. From now on, brain, I am going to believe what God says about, about this. And of course, we're, this is not a self-help tool. This is God's truth. So we're not just doing a little positive thinking here. You need to have what God says, a verse, a truth. That's where this all comes from. This is what God says about me. Oh, then I'm going to believe it. And the Bible says that when you know the truth, you put that into practice, it sets you free. You'll begin to see freedom in your life. Okay? I want to I lead you through this process if you are ready to do this. And uh, let's stand together. And we're going to finish this song, finish our service with a song after we do this. But I, I want to lead you through this prayer. And uh, we've done this before. But this is, this, this is like gardening, you know, pulling up weeds, keeping things out, keeping our lives free. But for some of us, we've maybe never done this before. But as you decide in your will to turn from something that has been plaguing you and the devil has used to suppress you or keep you, you know, keep you from experiencing the fullness that God has for you, Today, that can change if you're ready to make a change. All right? So let's just seek the Holy Spirit for a second, okay? Let's, let's bow our heads or get into a place of prayer in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. We just ask, Lord, that you just reveal across this room to each person anything that you want us to see that has been a lie of the enemy, a thought or a pattern of life that we have been living that is not of you. It is, it is a lie. It is wrong. And it's caused us pain. Something, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you want to reveal to us. Show us the root issue, a root thought. Maybe a point in time where we begin to believe this thought. Maybe a word curse or someone that spoke something over us or something that happened to us. And what, what happened in that moment that, that that lie came and we somehow believed it. Thank you, Lord. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and think, think about what he's saying to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to give us abundant life. Thank you that you gave us all authority over the enemy. Thank you that you said, Lord, as we follow you and we put your truth into practice, that it would set us free. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you that greater are you who is in us than he who is in this world. Thank you that you have fully redeemed us from the curse. 
Thank you, Lord, that the devil has no more authority over us. And so right now, in Jesus' name, by our will, my will, you need to be doing this with me. My will, I say to this lie, no longer will you control me. I'm not going to believe you any longer. You're a lie, and I'm done serving you and believing you. And I break you and your authority over my life. In Jesus' name, you are broken. In Jesus' name, no longer will you control me. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus, thank you for your truth. Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just give me your truth about the situation and what I am to hold on to. You said if I hold on to your truth, if I put your truth into practice, if I hold on to your truth, that's what will set me free. So I, I'm looking to hold on to you, Lord, and your word and your truth. And uh, just speak to me right now, Lord, that you give me words of life, words of freedom, words of fullness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that you saved us. You've redeemed us. You have given us a future and a hope. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is with us at all times. Thank you, God, that we're forgiven, that we're set free, that we can be healed, that we can have an abundant life, that we can have a renewed mind. And thank you, Lord, that all of heaven is celebrating with us because we are sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to live in victory. And God, that you've called us to reflect your love and your image to this world. And I thank you for freedom in this place today. Lord, I thank you that right now, Lord, we just pray over the process of what we just went through. That, Lord, that you will remove and, and break off the patterns of the old. And you'll help us to establish the new. The new. Lord, I pray for great testimonies to come out of these few moments that we spent together in the days ahead as we begin to walk out a whole different way of thinking and then living and then experiencing your freedom and your love. Lord, let this church be alive. Let this church be full of the Spirit of God and the power of God and the love of God. Let the joy of the Lord be upon us and be our strength. God, we pray your blessings upon us that we might overflow with your life to those around us. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Whatever is of you, whatever uh, uh, is true of you would re resonate with us, would stick with us, that your spirit would use in us, and anything that's not of you would be forgotten and left aside. But Lord, let your truth rule and reign in our hearts today and this week. Let freedom abound in this place in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're going to just celebrate some freedom here. We're going to sing that freedom song one more time before we go. And as we do, I want you to solidify whatever God is doing in your life today, that this is who you are. And just let's grab a hold of that freedom this morning. Let's do it. <laughs>